Acts 9.31 Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. Acts 9.31 Acts 9.31 Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. Acts 9.31. Precious verse there. Amen. And Brother Ethan, would you lead us in prayer, please, sir? Amen. <clears throat> okay, Revelation 3, and we'll start in verse 10. Revelation 3, 10. <clears throat> because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world, to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come, what? Quickly. Quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man, what? Take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches." So last week we saw that God promised to keep his people from the hour of temptation which would come upon all the earth. So God gave a type or illustration to his prophets down through the centuries. And as we pause here, if you'd mark this spot, let's go back to Jude 14, Jude verse 14. God gave a type or illustration that he would would protect his people and catch away his people before that hour of temptation which would come upon all the world. In Jude verse 14, Jude verse 14, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord, what? Cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So you can see as the days were coming up to, toward the flood, you can just see Enoch is 
just crying out on God's behalf that man would repent of his sin. He just over and over says ungodly, ungodly, these ungodly things. And can't we see the same thing in our day, in our nation? Just so many ungodly things going on. So are we faithful like Enoch in these days? And God rewarded him for that. Notice then back in Genesis 5, Enoch was preaching that faithful message, you know, the Lord is going to come back, and one day there's going to be a time of judgment. In Genesis 5.21, Genesis 5.21, And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty and five years. And Enoch, what? Walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. We don't know much more about that than what it says there, but if we go to Hebrews 11, we find a little more information about what happened right there. God took him. In Hebrews 11, verse 5, Hebrews 11, 5, by faith, Enoch was what? translated that he should not what see death and was not found because God had translated him for before his translation he had this testimony that he what please God oh don't you want that same testimony in our lives oh to to please God to love him and to serve him and God wonderfully rewarded Enoch, he translated him. He, didn't ha- he did not have to see death. Yesterday when we were out witnessing, we went by a cemetery, and, and it was mentioned there that not everyone's going to have to die. Some generation, and it may be ours, uh, will get to be with the Lord without passing through death's door. And Enoch was a picture of that to come. Now, you know, and that happened before the worldwide time of judgment. So what we're looking at here is the picture that God has given down through the centuries that a worldwide event is going to happen. The hour of temptation going to come upon the whole world, but that God is going to catch away his own before that time. So Enoch was a picture of that. So after him then comes the flood. And so Enoch is a picture of God's people caught up to be with him, not having to die. And Noah is a picture of those who would go through the tribulation, those who will go through the worldwide time of judgment as Noah went through the flood. So Noah was not delivered from the flood. He was delivered through the flood. Enoch was delivered before the flood. Came on the earth. Noah was delivered through it. Now, as we look here, you know, there, there are groups of people that say that in the Old Testament, people were saved by keeping the law and by offering animal sacrifices. And that, that same group of people normally says the same thing is going to re- be reverted back to in the tribulation period. But that is false. There's always only been one way of salvation. And it's faith. It, while we're here in Hebrews, look at verse 7 there again. Hebrews eleven seven. 
It says, by what? By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness, which is what? By faith. There are two words that start that verse, verse 7, and there are two words which end it. What are those two words? By faith. By faith. Noah was not saved uh, by keeping the law. Noah was not saved by offering animal sacrifices. Noah was saved by faith. And that's always the only way there's been to be saved. Notice in Galatians 2, if that were not true, if people in the Old Testament could get saved by keeping the law and by offering animal sacrifices, then why would God send his son to die for us? If people were getting saved by keeping the law and offering animal sacrifices, why then would God send his son to die? Galatians 2, 21 says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by what? The law, then Christ is dead, what? In vain. If, if those people could get saved by keeping the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Well, he's not dead in vain, and they did not get saved by keeping the law. The same with animal sacrifices. Go back to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10 and verse 4. If people in the Old Testament and if people in the tribulation period could get saved by offering animal sacrifices then why would Jesus have come? Hebrews 10.4 says, For it is what? Not possible that the blood of what? Bulls and of goats should what? Take away sin. So, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. So, as I said, there's this group that teaches the Old Testament. They are saved by keeping the law, by offering animal sacrifices. They teach the same thing about tribulation saints, and that is totally false. Um, notice with me in Revelation 5, Revelation 5 and verse 8. There's only one way that there's ever been to be saved, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. And Jesus has talked about being slain from the foundation of the world. And we talked about this one time that uh, what God promises to do is as sure as done. So that was good enough, that promise, and it was going to happen. So notice in Revelation 5.8, Revelation 5.8. And when he had taken the book, the four priests and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. Now remember, that this is something taking place in the tribulation period. It says, For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by what? Thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Sometimes people say, but how are people saved in 
Afghanistan? How are people saved in China? How are people saved in the Sudan? Uh, how are people saved in Canada? What does it say? Thou hast redeemed us to God by what? Thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. There's only one way to be saved, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's always been the only way to be saved. So this is a testimony right from the tribulation period that they are trusting in the blood of Jesus Christ to save them, not in animal sacrifices and not by keeping the law. There's another testimony to it in chapter 7, Revelation 7, verse 9. Revelation 7, 9. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all what? Nations and what? Kindreds and what? People and what? Tongues. So we're talking about all the nations represent. Stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces, and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of what? great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in what in the blood of the lamb where did all these this crowd of people come from they got saved in the tribulation period and and what washed their robes white what made them righteous before god the blood of the lamb they're trusting in the blood of jesus not in their works not in animal sacrifices so if, if you notice in Acts 10, this is what the Bible tells us that all of the Old Testament prophets prophesied. To look ahead by faith in the Messiah that would come and die for their sins. Uh, in Acts 10.38, Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us, who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead to him. Now, who's the him? Jesus. That's what we've been talking about. To him, Jesus give all who? 
the prophets witness that through what? His name. Whosoever does what? Believeth in him shall receive what? Remission of sins. Verse 43 tells us this was the message of all the prophets of the Old Testament. There was coming a Messiah who would die for their sins. Notice also the second testimony of that same fact in 1 Peter 1. Peter also attests to the exact same thing. 1 Peter 1 and verse 8. 1 Peter 1, 8. Whom having not seen, ye love. In whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your what? Faith. Even what? The salvation of your souls. Of which salvation? The who? The prophets have inquired and searched diligently. Who prophesied of what? The grace. Not of the works. Who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Searching what? Or what manner of time? The spirit of Christ which was what? In them. Those prophets, the Spirit of Christ was in them, did what? Signify when it testified what? Beforehand. And what did it testify beforehand? The what? Sufferings of Christ and the what? Glory that should follow. In those prophets, Peter gives the testimony, the second testimony, that in those prophets was the Spirit of Christ testifying of the suffering of the Messiah and the glory that should come. Now, the Jews in the New Testament day were just centered on that glory, thinking only of the kingdom, the coming king. But when you look at this passage here, the sufferings of Christ that would come in his glory, well, in Isaiah 53, if he gave his life for the ransom of our souls, then there's got to be a resurrection of the Messiah. You can't have a dead king reigning. Um, Ronald Reagan can never be president of the United States again. Why? Because he has died. You can't rule a nation. You can't rule the world. You can't rule the kingdoms if you're not alive. So, but the Jews only focused on the Messiah coming as king, <clears throat> totally missing the fact that <clears throat> the glory would be his resurrection and then ruling as king. Um, we've seen that many times, and Brother Tim had an excellent message in the nursing home today on, on the, the two thieves on either side of Christ. Um, the repentant thief saw the resurrection when he testified, when thou comest into thy kingdom, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. You, you can't be a king if you're dead. You've got to be alive. He saw the resurrection. So it may be hard for us because the, the disciples struggled with this resurrection. It seemed to totally take them off guard. And I, I can't answer all the questions about why they couldn't see this. Uh, when the gospel message is clearly the death, burial, and resurrection. Peter testifies, it was clearly here, the message, verse 11, 1 Peter 1, 11, that 
This was clearly the message of the Old Testament prophets, that the Messiah would suffer and die, and then would, would as it says there, uh, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Clearly talking about the resurrection. And I, I, I can't answer all the questions about the disciples and their grappling with this. But, but the Bible is very clear that the Old Testament prophets did signify this very thing, his suffering and death. Now, so I want that to be clear because we're talking about crowns tonight. And we're not crowns is not the same as salvation. Crowns are rewards. Salvation cannot be lost. Salvation is gotten through faith, through grace and faith in Jesus Christ. And it cannot be lost because it's based upon Christ's righteousness, not our own. But crowns are a different thing. They're rewards. And let's, let's go back to Revelation 3 once again. In Revelation chapter 3, in verse 11, it says, Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Now, how can another person take our crown? And if so, how, how do we make sure that doesn't happen? Well, what are some crowns that we can receive? Let's, let's mention some of them. Let's go to James 1, James chapter 1. And verse 12, the first crown we'll look at here is the crown of life, the crown of life, James 1, 12. The Bible says, blessed is the man that what? Endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive what? The crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that what? Love him. So here's one. A crown here. Uh, in the crown of life, well, let's, let's read on verse 13. Let no man say when he is what? Tempted. Now remember verse 12, the crown of life is for those who endure temptation. So verse 13 says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of what? His own lust and enticed. So we can't blame temptation on God. Um, there is no temptation taking you by such as is common to man. But God is faithful. And we'll go to that verse in just a second. So let us not blame temptation on God. Everyone faces temptation. So what's the key? The key is that Verse 14, when he is drawn away, he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. The key to enduring temptation is not allowing our flesh to be drawn away and to be enticed. Remember what we saw this morning? The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is what? Weak. Matthew twenty six forty one. Okay, so what happens then? Verse 15. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth what? Sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth what? Death. So now let's turn to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Everyone faces temptation, but not everyone deals with temptation 
the same way. That's the key. Let's actually start in verse 12, 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he, what? Standeth, take heed, lest he, what? Fall. So there, there is no sin which cannot conquer us if we are enticed by it and allow the flesh the decision. So verse 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is what? Common to man. But God is what? Faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So everyone, if temptation is common to everyone. As long as we live, we'll never be able to escape temptation. We must endure temptation. And that brings us back to James. James in chapter 1. James 1.12. Blessed is the man that what? Endureth temptation. Now you may say, well, Joseph fled from temptation. The Bible does tell us to flee fornication, to flee, to run from it. But blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. Let's look at Joseph's life in Genesis 39. So how can we, each one of us, receive the crown of life? We receive that by enduring temptation and not falling to it, not being enticed, enduring it but not being enticed to take part in it. In Genesis 39 and verse 4, Genesis 39, 4, And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said what? Lie with me. Here is the enticement. What would Joseph do? Verse 8, but he what? Refused. Refused. And said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and what? Sin. Sin against God. He endured the temptation. He was not enticed to take part in it. You know, it's, it's really commendable. Joseph at this time is not yet married. That will be later. He's given a wife. Joseph is single. And you think with me to David. Now, David was married at the time. But remember the time when David couldn't sleep. 
and went up on the rooftop of his house and saw a beautiful woman washing. And he was enticed to commit sin and, and did commit it. And it, it's just interesting how many times when, when God blesses people, then they fall into sin. But Joseph here, uh, verse 2 says, The Lord was w- with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. His master had put everything in his hands. And Joseph, at this, at this point, could have easily been enticed in sin with Potiphar's wife. But he did not. And so here's the, the picture for us is Joseph. In this case, not David. David was enticed. David learned that Bathsheba was Uriah's wife, one of his 30 best soldiers, and he still took her and committed sin with her. So Joseph is the, the example of enduring temptation, not falling to it, and this is what we must do if we want the crown of life. Notice Judges 16. Joseph endured temptation. Samson gave in to it. Judges 16 and verse 1. Judges 16 and verse 1. Then went Samson to Gaza and saw there what? And harlot and what? went in unto her. So Samson was the opposite of Joseph. Joseph faced the enticement, but he endured temptation, as we're told in James chapter 1. So, so that we can receive the crown of life by enduring temptation, by looking beyond, as Moses looked beyond, uh, the pleasures of sin for a season. And we're just seeing another season changing here. And those seasons are so short. So the crown of life can be received by living a faithful life, enduring temptations. Number two, the crown of life can be received by living a faithful life of enduring tribulation. So the first one is enduring temptation. This one, we can receive that crown by enduring tribulation. Notice in Revelation 2, Revelation 2. So we see these crowns encompass more than just one thing. The crown of life is not just for someone who endures temptation, but also for those who endure tribulation. Revelation 2, 9. I know thy works and what? Tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them, which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt, what? Suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have, what? Tribulation. Tribulation, ten days. Be thou what? Faithful. Faithful unto what? Death. And I will give thee what? A crown of life. So 
In this instance, the crown of life is promised to those who endure tribulation, those who endure temptation, those who endure tribulation, faithful unto death. And that's another key. How can someone take our crown? Well, if we decide to follow the world and the world's ways before we die, crowns, rewards can be lost, not salvation. So please get that straight. Salvation is, o- is only through what? The blood of Jesus Christ. And that cannot be lost. But crowns can be lost. So the crown of life. Let's look at another crown. The crown of righteousness. And you know, these crowns, the things in them overlap, as you'll see here in a moment. But 2 Timothy 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. The crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 1. 2 Timothy 4, 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at what? His appearing in his kingdom. So we want to be faithful. This is an important part. Being faithful until Jesus comes or until he calls us home. So this is what is in mind is being faithful at what we're going to read until he appears in his kingdom. So what are we supposed to do? Verse 2, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not, what? Endure sound doctrine. There's that word again. Endure. Endure sound doctrine. But after their own, what? Lust. Here we go again. Being enticed to lust. Lust brings sin, sin brings death. After their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from what? The truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things. And here's that word again. What is it? Endure. Endure Endure what? Afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry, for I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have what? Finished my course. course. I have what? Kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me what? A crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And here's a, let's not forget the last part of the verse. And not to me only, but unto all them also that what? Love his appearing. Do we love God's appearing, the Lord's appearing? Um, Here Peter, or or Paul here, is giving us some information. Verse 1 the Lord's going to come. We want to be faithful until his appearing. So it goes through there. There are some things we've got to endure if we're going to be faithful until his coming. We want to, verse 7, finish our course faithfully. And for those, verse 8, a crown of righteousness is laid up, not just for Paul, not just for Timothy, but unto, uh, unto them also that what? Love his appearing. Do we love his appearing? 
How do we know if we love his appearing? How do other people know if we love Jesus appearing? Well, let's go to Titus 2. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. This tells the story if we love his appearing. Titus 2, 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying what? Ungodliness and what? Worldly lust. Here we go again. The same topic. Denying ungodliness. Denying worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in what? This present world. Is this present world our friend? No. This present world is filled with enticements to lust. Verse 13, looking for that blessed hope, what is it? And the glorious what? Appearing. appearing. This is talking about Jesus coming. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So if, we, if we're looking for his coming, what is going to be true is verse 12. We're going to be denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We're going to be living soberly. We're going to be living righteously. We're going to be living godly. Yes, even in this present world, we're not going to be saying, oh, well, but this, this day, it's, this, it's too hard to live for God. No. Why? Because verse 13, we're looking for that blessed hope of his coming. And verse 14 picks up again on it who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a what? A peculiar people zealous of good works. So how do you know someone that loves his appearing? How do you know it if it's someone just saying words or someone that really does love the Lord's appearing? You'll see it in the way in which each of us live. You'll be able to tell. Do, do we, are we really living as if we are expecting Jesus Christ back at any moment? Notice with me in Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 44. Now, Matthew 24 is specifically dealing with the Lord's coming at the end of the tribulation period. You see the, uh, the abomination that makes desolate here, but this can be applied as well to the rapture, but in Matthew 24, 44, it says, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye what? Think not the Son of Man what? Cometh. So you can tell if someone is really expecting the Lord at any minute or if they're living like, ah, he won't come back this week or he won't come back this month, or he won't come back this year, you can tell by the way a person is living if they love his appearing. If we love his appearing, that will be the crown we're talking about here. So now the point is, how could someone take our crowns? And there's more crowns we could look at. But Okay, so someone can take our crown, not some evil person, because they would never receive a crown. But how can someone cause us to lose our crown, to take our crown away in that sense of causing us to lose it, not of them 
taking our crown in the sense that it's going to be put on their head, because it's not. But how can someone cause us to lose our crown? Well, number one, by persuading us to forsake living a godly, faithful life. Notice once again in 2 Timothy 4. 2 Timothy 4, 7. As we pick up there once again, 4, 7. Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me, what? A crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that, what? Love is appearing. So that, that can be a crown that all of us can get if we love is appearing. Verse 9, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me for who? Demas hath forsaken me, having loved what? This present world. We don't want to go that route. We want to go the route, verse 7. We want to finish our course and to keep the faith. We don't want to be Demas. Um, Notice also with me in 1 Timothy chapter 6. So we don't want to be led away by the Demas-type people who are led away of this world. They, they fall in love with the world. Uh, 1 Timothy 6, 3. 1 Timothy 6, 3. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings. Now, from Sunday school this morning, what type of a person gets involved with envy? Remember? A carnal, a carnal person. That's true of carnal people. So we don't want to go there. Verse 5 continues on, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. But godliness with what? Contentment is great gain. That's the type, that's what will help our bank account in heaven, our spiritual account, not money, but our, our account in heaven, our account of rewards in heaven, Godliness with contentment. Verse 7, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with what? Content. There it comes up again. Are we content? Verse 9, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful what? Lust. There we go again. Will we endure temptation or will we be enticed by temptation? Foolish and hurtful lust, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have what? Erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, what? Flee these things and follow after what? Righteousness and what? Godliness and what? 
faith and what? Love and what? Patience and what? Meekness. It says then in verse 12, fight the good fight of what? Faith. And you think back of in verse 11 there. These are the things we need to be following. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a what? A good profession. Do we have a good profession? And it says before what? Many witnesses. Do, do each of us have a good profession before many witnesses? Verse 13, I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou what? Keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable until the what? Appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. With all these crowns, it's, it's enduring, enduring, not being enticed, not going aside, it's enduring. It's faithfully living for God. That's the key. We don't want our crowns taken away. Um, so the first, first point there was crowns taken away by by being persuaded to forsake a godly, faithful life. Um, And number two, people can cause us to lose our crowns if they persuade us to be angry, to disobey the Lord. So they can take away our crowns by angering us and thus us disobeying God. And I'll just try to give you one quick example of Moses. Let's go to Psalm 106. Psalm 106 and verse 32. Psalm 106, 32. It says, They angered him also at the waters of strife, so that it went ill with who? With Moses for their sakes, because they provoked his spirit, so that he spake what? unadvisedly with his lips. And what was the result? He was not allowed to take Israel into the promised land. Notice in Numbers 20, that blessing, that honor, Numbers 20, was taken away from him by other people because, and for the reason, they provoked him to anger. So Our crowns can be taken away if someone provokes us to anger and we do not obey the Lord. Numbers 20, verse 7. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and what? Speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth as water. And thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, So thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Hear now ye what? Rebels. Must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he what? Smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, 
and their beasts also. Now God told them to what to the rock? Speak. He smote it twice. Verse 12. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. So people can entice us to get off. The things of the world, we talked about riches. Riches can, as in the, like in the parable, can grow up and choke us off. The cares and the riches of this life um, can take our crowns. People, by provoking us to anger, you can lose a crown. Like Moses lost this great honor when he was provoked to anger. So what should we do? 1 Corinthians 15. How can we not lose our crowns? Well, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. It says, the Bible says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye what? Steadfast. Then what? Unmovable. Then what? Always abounding in the work of the Lord, forasmuch as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Why? There's, there are these crowns. We didn't look at all the crowns. But these crowns all deal with enduring, faithfully enduring, serving the Lord, and not being uh, carried about either way by the enticements of this world. So the Lord's coming quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us. Um, there are crowns for everyone, every believer that endures, that is faithful, serving you, loving you. And Lord, may it be very clear to the hearers. We, we are not talking about enduring in the sense of our salvation. That is eternal, that is settled, that's based upon the righteous blood of Jesus Christ. But we are talking about heavenly rewards. Lord, may none of us lose heavenly rewards because we turn aside to the enticements of this world. Help us to faithfully serve you. We pray in Jesus' name.